I am very grateful for this wonderful partnership in the preaching of the Word with Todd uh, Cyrus, aren't you? Hallelujah. We, uh, we started this idea. I said, I want us to go ahead and use the candles, the lighting of the candles for the, uh, for the kind of be their topic springboard uh, of each message. And he said, that sounds like a good idea. And I said, well, what could we, if it was a series, what could we call it? And he said, how about the Revelation of Christmas? Isn't that a great title for this thing? The Revelation of Christmas. So here we are, revealing all that Jesus has done for us. Amen? Welcome, Todd. Amen. Praise you. Hallelujah. I was looking at this first slide this morning. I was going like, maybe I should have did a little more, because it looks like Jurassic Park on the top there. I can't it was years ago in Michigan, we were doing a series, and I had a picture of George Washington crossing the Delaware, and it had something to do with a point in the message, and there was some kids that told me later, man, that was really cool, that picture, and here it was what? It was some video game, I can't remember which one, but it, and the video, the video game character was hiding in the boat with George Washington, and I never even noticed it, but it was like, oh, cool, man. I'm going like, what are they talking about? But anyway, so we're talking to you this morning about the revelation of Christmas, and we're talking about Bethlehem, and it was at the beginning of this week that I was thinking, let me show you this next slide first. This is real funny. This is a picture of Mary and, and Joseph going to Bethlehem. They're getting ready for their journey. Did you put out the bing bags? Mary asked Joseph. He said, yes. Did you put out, lock the door? Yes. Did you book the hotel? It'll be fine. Just get on the donkey. So uh, we, now we know that's extra biblical, but we know what happens there. But so anyway, uh, at the beginning of the week when we, uh, I knew I was going to speak on Bethlehem, I'm going like, uh, how did I get myself into this? I'm going like, I got to speak about Bethlehem and you know, you're trying to come up with something. And isn't it amazing that the Lord just really speaks to you because you feel like why everything about Bethlehem I already know, you know, what do you, and then the Lord just shows you how stupid you are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, we'll say it this way. The Lord humbles you and says, you don't know as much as you think you do. And so, uh, so I want to just entitle this time and I, I want to kind of go through this and be very accurate with uh, appropriating what I feel like the Lord gave me, but also uh, at the end, pastor is going to lead us into a time of communion, so we want to be very respectful for that. But So it's been about, uh, well, before COVID, three or four years ago, that I was in Israel and never got to go in Bethlehem. A lot of you probably know that Bethlehem now is in the West Bank. You can go, but uh, the guy that was leading our trip didn't want to deal with, uh, we had a lot of older people and stuff, and it, there can be some safety issues in the West Bank and such. So it's amazing how it's changed over, you know, a couple thousand years. But I really just prayed and I said, Lord, what significance can I find in the, the city of Bethlehem that can speak? And you'll hear me say this a lot. I want it to speak prophetically to us right now. What does it mean, not only just in our lives and get, gaining biblical truth, but what is God using in, this, in the idea of Bethlehem that will speak to us in the year 2022 and 2023 as we enter. Just real quickly, just a little bit of foundation. Bethlehem, of course, you just heard a moment ago, and a lot of things she was saying as she's reading the story of, of Bethlehem Candle, 
on the Advent candle. I'm going like, that's, it's in my message. But anyway, uh, Jesus, how many know Jesus is actually the bread of heaven that came to Bethlehem that was born there? The word Bethlehem or the city Bethlehem is mentioned 53 times in the Bible. Let me just highlight a few of them and then I'll share what I feel like the Lord gave me as prophetic picture of Bethlehem. First of all, we find it first 1,700 years before Christ was born when Rachel uh, was buried there. She died in childbirth and she... Um, and, and there she was buried. She, uh, I think uh, it, her, it was Benjamin, that's who it was, that was born. And Rachel only had two uh, children, two sons. She had Joseph and Benjamin. It's, a lot of you remember that story. It just really clicked a lot more like when Joseph sent back his brothers and said, go, go get back here and get Benjamin if you want the food. You know what I'm um, you, uh, saying this in a generic sense. But Benjamin was really close to his heart because it was his uh, the others, if you would let me say it this way, some people would get mad, but they were like half-brothers. But this was his full brother, Benjamin. But there, Rachel died in childbirth. And she wanted to call Benjamin a name that was going to mean like uh, a, a son of mourning or, or of sorrow. And then after she passed, then, uh, then Isaac, uh, Isaac, yeah, Jacob, Isaac. Jacob, the brain sometimes doesn't work. Even though I did have a Red Bull, I was supposed to have wings, I don't. Anyway, so Jacob then changes his name to Benjamin, which means the son of, of, of my right hand. So then also Ruth was there in Bethlehem. Most of you know that Boaz, the kinsman redeemer that, we've, that we see in the New Testament, that the picture of Christ, uh, he was our kingsman redeemer also. Also, David was born an anointed king in Bethlehem. Most of you know that actually, sometimes we don't think about this, but Jesus was the great, 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 grandson. It was 39 of them, but I didn't want to go to But he was a great, great grandson of David. He, and so the, the rod of Jesse, this whole prophetic fulfillment of who Je, uh, Jesus was. Jesus, um, also we see this picture of refreshment that comes from Bethlehem because it was in Bethlehem that David, the king, is fighting against the Philistines and he's thirsty and he says, oh, could, if I could have a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem and so one of his mighty men fight, you know, sneak through the, the enemy line, get him a bucket of, of water from that bring it back to him and what does David do you would want you might if you were the one that risked your life for this you might get really mad but David takes it and turns it over and he offers as an offering to the Lord and we just see this this picture of the water of, of the refreshment of the Lord how many know he is the living water if you drink of Jesus that came and was born in Bethlehem you'll never thirst again and then the fifth one that I'll mention is the most important one we see in the Old Testament, which was the prophecy that came 700 years before Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. It's showing the eternity uh, of Jesus Christ. And that he was going to be born. So we see the prophecy hundreds and hundreds of years that was established that the Messiah was going to come to Bethlehem. 
We see this kind of picture now as we look at the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will, uh, will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, in the city of David, which was Bethlehem, where David was born, was also where he was anointed king. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has spoke to us about. Now, that's just the foundation. This is what I wanted to get to. I really believe sometimes the Lord can, He can teach us through His Word. It'll be the principles of the Word of God. But sometimes I also believe that there's a prophetic voice that comes out of the Word of God. That we'll see that God is saying this prophetically happened in the Word for this people and this people group. And I'm taking that and letting you understand that the, the truth of that prophetically is available now to you, especially in times and seasons. I was thinking about this last night in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, Christ was born. The word um, in, in the Hebrew is like femara. It, it means in the set time, in the appointed time, in, in the, the time that God had established. He had been working all things together, all of through generations after generations to come into that place of collision, the advent of Christ. Jesus born, that first advent where Jesus comes to earth, it was the fullness of time. So when we think about the birth of Jesus, sometimes we get into Christmas like, and, and nothing wrong with that, okay? Like, oh, the baby in the man. No, this is a supernatural power of God of the conversions of the prophecies for, for centuries that God had been orchestrating and working and weaving together to bring to the moment. It is the fullness of, of time and it's going to take place in Bethlehem. As we were leading up to that, though, the problem was that Mary and Joseph weren't, weren't there. Oh, no. But how many know God has a plan? He works what we often think are just coincidence and just happenstance, but it's the weaving and working of God. And I'm not going to try to highlight this season and this hour to be equivalent to that moment in time. But what we have to understand is this that we are celebrating about Bethlehem was the first advent of Christ, meaning the first coming of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, I, I don't know how close, I don't know if it's in my lifetime, but I believe the second advent, the second coming of Christ is, is coming. So what am I saying? I'm saying that same working of the weaving of the prophecies, the word, the plan of God is coming to another fullness of time. There's parts of that where we could talk about the fullness of the Gentiles and the fullness of Israel, but we're, we're coming up to that kind of time. And so the Lord gave me five things real quickly that I want to I give to you. I believe these are prophetic for us individually, family, church, and even as a nation and what God's doing in the kingdom. Number one, that Bethlehem was a place of divine timing. It is not in, it's, it's funny, uh, Emily was just sharing that in, in the story. It is not just a coincidence that Jesus just happened to be born while Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem for the census and for the paying of taxes. Now, 
if you really think about this, and I did some research, they were probably only going to be there one night. Probably only one night. Maybe two nights. So it wasn't like they had this, you know, they were going to be there weeks. And, and how many know that Mary's probably not excited about being, having a baby on her, on her trip, on traveling away from home? How many know most people would rather be back closer to home, but she's on a trip traveling. It was mandated. She had to go. It, it was mandated that they have the census and taxes. But God was orchestrating behind the scenes because there was a divine timing that was coming. And I want you to understand, I, I don't, I don't want to overplay this. I don't want to be too where I feel like I'm exaggerating this. But there's something in my spirit that really believes that there is a divine timing that's taking place on a large scale in the body of Christ. And in your life and in the life of this body. That God is bringing things together for what could seem like that some of you don't, we don't know one another, or we haven't met, or we, we're just getting familiar. But there is a divine timing that's happening right now. And we need to sense that instead of what we see uh, taking place in the world. Instead of our eyes being caught up in the fear and the struggle and all the mess that's going on in the world, we need to understand that God has a divine timing. Look beyond the inferior to the superior. The second thing is that Bethlehem was a place of birthing. And I believe this is prophetically. Our first mention of Bethlehem in the Bible was Rachel giving birth to her second son, Benjamin, which means the son of, of my right hand. The birth of the divine promise of Christ, the Savior, God, Son of God, Son of Man. It took place in, in it was a place of birthing. And so what am I saying? I believe that we're entering into a season and a time of birthing. Now, some of you that aren't into the spiritual connotations of that, you're going like, what? I mean that there is things that are going to be created from you and in you that have not existed to, you, to this point. That something fresh and new, something is going to be birthed. I believe that you and your families are going to begin to birth things that have not yet existed. I believe your ministries are going to begin to birth things that have not yet existed. I believe that City Church is going to birth things that do not at this present time yet exist, but we are moving into something that is beyond ourselves. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the divine birthing of God because He wants to release things on the earth as we approach His second coming. This is the third thing, and this is the main point of, like, the one that really, or uh, number three and number four are the main two things the Lord really showed me that are very important for you to catch. I'll spend just a brief moment on, on number three, and then number four, I'll spend a little time, and number five, I'm done. Okay, number three, that Bethlehem is a place that seems insignificant. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to take a long time with this because I feel like it's very simple, but I feel like it's very important. God said to me, make sure they understand. It's very important that they capture this. I just read a minute ago, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the ruler to be the ruler of Israel. Yes, it is about the birth of Christ. But I want you to look at Bethlehem for a moment. Bethlehem is a small, insignificant city. 
That's why we sing, oh, little town of, I can't sing, but you know what I mean. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. It, mean, it was insignificant. And I really want you to capture this, that you may feel insignificant. You may, you may feel like that you are from an insignificant family. You came from an insignificant place, that you live in an insignificant city. And sometimes you might think about, well, our church is not that significant on the larger scale, but it is God that uses what the world and others in the natural look as insignificant and see the significance because of God. We even see the picture of David, which is in the lineage of Christ, that when Samuel showed up, they didn't even bother to bring David out as one of the sons of Jesse, but it was in the one that all the other family thought was insignificant was the one that was the destiny of the throne. And I'm telling you right now that there is something that is going on in the realm of the Spirit that you might have, and you feel like you're insignificant, your ministry, your job, whatever, but God wants you to understand that it's not in your significancy, but it's in His significancy. That when you put your focus on Him, and you put your reliance on Him, and you allow yourself to come to this place of humility and say, God, I am insignificant. God says there is somebody that I can use. There is someone that I can release something through. Amen? Okay, number four. Weird one. This is, this is the one that really got me. Because I would have not had enough brains to think of this one. Probably none of them, but anyway. Number four. Bethlehem was a place of convergence. And, and I know that I don't want to be too complicated or over-spiritualize something, but this is something like the Lord literally like pounded in my heart and my spirit. The prophecies that were laid for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Reality, even beyond that, because in Genesis 3.15, when, when God you know, says the, the seed of the woman is going to... You're going to bruise his heel, and he's going to crush your head as he's talking to the devil. Said all of these are these prophecies are are, but what what Bethlehem was was a place of convergence. There was there was different parts of the story. The shepherds they're outside of Bethlehem watching their flock by night, and then all of a sudden the angels look at it. Then we got shepherds, we got angels. We got an insignificant town. We got Mary and Joseph. They're, you know, the innkeeper that, you know, that had, there was nowhere else to go. They went out, they were in the stable. All of these are converging together. And, and, and what was it for? To bring the greatest miracle that has ever happened. The birth of the Son of God. God becoming flesh. Now trek with me just for a moment. The dictionary says that a convergence is a tend to move forward to one point or another. To come together. To come together and unite in a common interest or focus. We all have a common interest or focus. Not our hobbies, not our backgrounds, not our even our bank accounts, not none of those. Not our not our gender, not our ethnicity. None of those are all in common. What do we have in common is the greatest thing to have in common. 
And so what, what brings us together? It is the commonality of our, our love for Christ and our desire to be a part of what he wants to do on the earth before he returns. It, it, and so it's a conversion. Converging together. It's a coming together. There, I think of certain trout streams in Tucker County that I love to fish. And, and some of my favorite holes, I ain't going to tell you where they are. But it will be where there's another big ma- uh, mountain stream coming down out. And it comes to the mainstream and where they converge. And trout just love right there. Fresh cold water. And there's a, a conversions together. It's right there. It's where we fish. Converging. I want you to understand that you might feel like everything's been by happenstance. But I believe God is converging things together. He's converging lives together. You may have, we may have never met. We may not have known each other. God's bringing different gifts, different talents, different callings. He's converging them together because we are all converging together with one common interest or focus. Now, when I felt like the Lord spoke this to me, you know, what I did would you be real spiritual about it. I, I Googled it. I'm halfway funny, but I couldn't believe there's a guy who's a professor Tom Stansberry from Regent University, which is a place that we probably trust pretty good, uh, well, but he wrote this, and I'm just giving you a portion of the article. Let me read it. I'm amazed at how God moves when what is often referred to as convergence happens in a kingdom leader's life. Every one of you, that's you're in the kingdom, and you're part of leading what God wants you to do. When our calling in God, our gifts, and abilities, and talents, our past experiences, good and bad, and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is released in and through us when all this comes together and unites all at the same time, it's a spiritual convergence. It often happens when we go through a, diff- a season of difficulty. How many know? Individually, nationally, a season of difficulty or suffering, sometimes paying the consequences of our own mistakes. It can happen even when we are at the most difficult time it seems uh, ever in our lives. As John Madden would say during a football game, boom, it happens. When it seems all is lost and we are just about ready to give up, something breaks in the spirit. Circumstances suddenly change and victory is achieved. I am sure the apostles felt the same way when in the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit, that they would receive all power to uh, be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Here is a band of brothers. There's a whole part before he talks about the band of brothers. You don't know what that is. And um, Okay. Anyway, it's a series of soldiers yeah, in World War II who, who had just been beaten down, their leader killed, and all hope dashed. Fear had set in. Now think about where we are right now. I'm almost done. Fear had set in, and many of them probably felt they had failed miserably. It was perhaps the darkest moment in their lives. Boom. It happens, and God intervenes. Convergence happens. The ragtag apparent losers suddenly see thousands of Jews repent and give their lives to Christ after the Holy Spirit falls on them. Peter gets up and now has uh, the courage to stand up and answer the call of God on his life, walking in a new dimension of faith in a place of victory. It has been days and weeks since he had just denied Christ three times 
and, and the, his world had come crashing down. Now he is boldly proclaiming the gospel of how Jesus rose from the dead. At this convergence unfold, there are a series of divine appointments and ultimately lead to the gospel going to the end of the earth and the future of the world is changed forever by a group of ordinary or insignificant men who are willing to lose their life in order to gain it. It had been days and weeks. Uh, this, this season of uncertainty today in our country, this is where we are. This season of uncertainty, uncertainty today in our country for many of us is such a time as this. As the financial markets are in turmoil and many have lost much of their life savings, some even their livelihood, for many fear has set in in the worldly system of relying on ever-increasing debt load to sustain not only our individual lives, but even the entire U.S. economy appears to be unraveling unsustainable. Yes, for many, this is a difficult season and a time of turmoil. But let me encourage you, it is not a time to allow fear to set in and go on the defensive. This is the time to go on the offensive and win that small battle in your life. Find the turning point that will lead to the boom. It happens. Experience. You begin to walk in a new dimension of faith with divine appointment occurring each day. You deeply know in your gut there is a God in heaven who sits on the throne. What am I saying that for? I believe that we are in that time period of conversions. Amen? We're in that. It looks terrible. Some of you will look back and you're remembering the glory years of revival. Let me tell you, there's nothing behind you that is greater than what's in front of us. Nothing behind us. Nothing behind us. I, we were, a pastor just sent me a prophecy from Sean Boltz uh, last week. He was saying these same things. It is a time that people are going to be moving. There's going to be new relationships being put together. There's different people and different pieces of the puzzles that are, are coming. And, and we are coming. It is not by coincidence because it's a time of convergence. Amen? Last one, number five, is Bethlehem is a, a place of worship. The picture of intimate worship with Mary and Jesus and the picture of corporate worship with the shepherds. Both are important and must be the center, center focus of our lives. And I really believe that what we are going to see, that is worship becomes the center focus of who we are, that miracles are going to happen in worship. And so the two parts, intimate worship and then corporate worship, which are very important. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and prepare for our uh, communion. And um, let's have... Um, and we're going to, everybody receive, first we're going to receive the bread. Isn't it interesting? First of all, let me just, my heart is about to explode with what just happened here. And one of the things that is a convergence, I'll just go ahead and say, is that the Lord put on Todd and Nicole, as you heard in the message a few weeks ago, to send them back to West Virginia. And um, my heart is being refreshed. I've been at this, uh, what, 29 years, and then I found out that 
Tom's been at this 27 years. I think you had one up on me because your dad was a pastor. So, you know, I just came out of nowhere. I knew nothing. I'm the guy that goes, where's the, where's the guy that uh, is the most broken and most bound I can find? Oh, here he is. I'm going to go ahead and put him on the table and do surgeries on him in front of everybody. And then they'll know that I can do it. And you can get better. Oh, and then I'm going to anoint him to prophesy musically. Oh, and then we're going to help him. Everything that's happened inside of him, I'm going to anoint him to do it for others. And then we're going to spread that. And we're going to spread the mentality of Jesus is your Savior, but he's your healer. And he's your deliverer. And he will establish his dominion in your life. And so you take somebody that's not from anywhere. I completely relate to the insignificant. Where did you come from? But here's the beauty of it. You know how God made me significant? He put me under men of God. He put me under Jack Hayford. And then Jack Hayford invited me to be on his spirit-formed program. Only person in the history of his program. And he said, this is what we're going to do. You're going to sing your songs because they're spirit-formed. And why was that? Because I was under a fountainhead of revelation. Him. And then I put it on YouTube. And then I'll go down to Pokéton. And I'm in a room. I'm going to do a worship conference. It's all been translated into Spanish. And then Guillermo puts a YouTube video. Why would they listen to me? I'm insignificant. But they put together, put up the video, and now a translator comes over, and Jack Hayford talks about me. And as he's talking, they translate that, and all of the pastors in the room now look at me completely differently. Not because of who I am, but because of who I was with. And when I got back, I, I, I told him, I said, you have no idea what you did for me. You validated me worldwide. And he high-fived me. He said, is that wonderful? insignificant had nothing to do I have had nothing to do except I feel like Mr. Magoo you remember Mr. Magoo he just keeps bumbling into the right place by God's design I'm like a Bethlehem how about you take somebody from nowhere 
no pedigree, nothing. They say, we're going to add a little bit of this, and we're going to take out a little bit of that. We're going to add a little bit of this. We're going to take out a little bit of that. And we're going to keep forming. You just keep saying yes to me. How many of you, the Lord's been doing that with you? I'm here to prophesy to you today that even today, there's some yeses that you will say, and things are going to change significantly. From insignificant, where you felt failure in your flesh, to a significant change in your life. Let's go ahead and praise the Lord. Would you praise the Lord with me? Let's go ahead and receive it. Everybody take the bread in hand. I'm inviting Pastor Todd to uh, pray over the bread in a moment. Everybody get it in hand. Just go ahead and acknowledge before the Lord in myself I am insignificant. But it's because who I am with that my life takes on meaning. Would you pray for them? so grateful that there's two parts of understanding the bread first you are the bread of life but the also the bread it represents the body which we are part of each of us as we come into you Jesus we are part of the body the bread you're our head but we are part of the body our our identity is found in you. So Lord, today as we partake of the bread, we identify, not because we're worthy of it, but because of your wonderful grace, we identify you're our head, we're the body. In Jesus' name, we find our significance. Let's partake of the bread. Go ahead and partake. The story continues. When you're broken, you don't feel like you can do anything right. About 25 or 20, 27 years ago, the Lord said, you're going to become a father in the faith to people. And I said, well, it would have been a whole lot better had I had a good father I would be a better father had I had a better father. And the Lord said, I'll make up the difference. He said those words to me. I'll make up the difference. Not only did he send Jack Hayford into my life, he sent Larry Titus into my life. He gave me a dad, a spiritual man who would be a dad. Now watch this. I have learned spiritual authority. A life in the Spirit. 
aggressive warfare, worship, kingdom priorities under Jack Hayford, praying in the spirit, breaking through things, establishing the kingdom, Jack Hayford. But then I've learned the affirming love of a father, Larry Titus. That Father's love is so deep, and that He's plans for you that you'd have no idea how deeply cherished you are by Him. Larry Titus. So my life is shaped by relationships that God has ordained. And there is a life in the Spirit you can gain in this house because of the convergence of fathers that have invested in this God. And you can spring out of dry ground and come into fruitfulness, not because of me, but because of the impartation, the anointing, the priorities that are set. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Because I didn't come up with any of this. Remember, I'm just Mr. Magoo. I didn't, I didn't come up with anything. I just kept trying. I just didn't want to fail. I just didn't want to blow it. How about you? You're not all that either. You're just as insignificant as I am. And when I was sitting over here, there was an old movie that had Sally Fields in it. And there were people that died throughout the movie, and I don't know why they did this. But at the very end of the movie, there was a church scene. And they were having communion. And all the people that had died earlier were there. I felt like the Lord brought that back. And this is what he was saying to me in the midst of this. Not only are we going to have that day when everybody that's missing because they passed away, not, not just that, but it's this. It doesn't matter how insignificant you feel. He has a place at the table for you. He's got your name card there. And you belong at the table because of what He has done. You belong at this table. If hell has come at you and said, well, those people, they reject you, that's a lie. I don't have anything in me to reject you with. All that rejection is just cast out of me. I'm just trying to show up in front of Jesus like you. Can we do that together? Let's lift a cup. Now the reason you're here is because your sins have been forgiven. And it's the, the other reason that you're here is because you need some sins to be forgiven. How many of you are in both places at the same time? 
your sins have been forgiven and you've got some sins that need to be forgiven. I have some good news for you. They're forgiven. Because of the blood, they're forgiven. There are torments that sins can put on a life. Access that can be given to the devil to hassle you. But here's what we're doing today. We're giving access to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we're saying we're giving access to the full power of your forgiveness to flow in and through my life. Full power. Full access. Will you receive it? Will you by faith say the full power of Jesus Christ's forgiveness flows to me, for me, and through me for others? A conduit. Because that's what makes you significant. This is what makes your heart large. Instead of a scrawny little puny heart that's full of bitterness. God says, I'm going to grow your heart so big because you forgive everyone all the time like I do. In the name of Jesus, we receive the healing grace. Everybody say, just praise the Lord for a minute. Say, thank you, Lord, I receive your healing grace. I receive the power of your blood. I thank you for the cleansing of my soul. My soul. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Hallelujah. We're going to have some pastoral team and different people down at the front here praying. I want to say that if you have never officially said to the Lord, Lord, I just want to give you my life. We want you to come down here and establish that. If you have very, you coming right now for that? Okay. Todd, would, would you, what's your name? Jackie, okay. Uh, I need one of the pastoral team. Come on over. Whoever's coming down to minister, they're going to pray with you and lead you to the Lord. The Lord's uh, doing something very precious in the heart right now. Let's go ahead and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. We're going to dismiss in a moment. Hallelujah.